you know, we talked about font and, you know, what I was thinking. I sent them some mood boards. And she said, we would really like your art on the cover. What? <laughs> and so my art, my, one of my paintings is on the cover. And um, the book's going to be in, you know, the MoMA gift shop, Tate gift shop, and then, you know, all the big bookstores, but like gallery bookstores. So technically, <laughs> technically, I can say that my work is at MoMA and Tate and all of these places. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Two artists walk into a bar. Now stop me if you've heard this one. Listen in as artists and creators talk over drinks about their work, life, and the creative journey. Thanks for tuning in to Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. Today we're popping into Mile Zero Wine Bar, tucked between all the vineyards of the Okanagan, sharing a glass with none other than Danielle Crissa. You probably know her as the Jealous Curator. In fact, you're probably already following her blog and listening to her weekly Art for Your Ear podcast. If not, check it out. It's so good. She's written a series of books on creativity, including her newest release, A Big Important Art Book, Now with Women. It just hit the bookstores and it came in at an unsurprising number one. It is amazing. You'll find links to these things and more on our show notes at twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you like the show... Don't forget to subscribe and forward the link to your favorite arty friends. And if you love the show, head to the website where you can buy us our next round. Now let's head to mile zero and listen in as we talk book publishing and podcasts, mural painting logistics, the importance of supporting each other, and the things that make her rage eat Nanaimo bars. Cheers to that. Yay! I have been waiting for this particular interview pretty much since I started doing this because <laughs> you were one of my inspirations when I got started podcasting. Oh, you were. <laughs> so I am here with Danielle Crissa, who you may know, our dear listeners, as the Jealous Curator and a whole bunch of other great reasons to know you. So we'll delve into them. But first of all, thank you for coming down here and hanging out with thank me. Thank you. I know we've tried this a few times and we're finally... It's finally happening drink in hand yeah ready to roll yeah we've been geographically um challenged, challenged. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah where we are we're in the okanagan we're in a very funky wine bar called mile, mile zero mile zero and a great place to start your wine tour from so yay <laughs> or a cider tour or a cider tour mm-hmm. that's right so i first became aware of you and what you do through your podcast the jealous hmm. curator art for your ear so tell us a little about that for starters well i went into podcasting very begrudgingly i don't know if you know that but um i'd been writing my blog for six or seven years at that point and my husband is really techie and social media ish and he said you should start a podcast and i just thought oh technology really <laughs> so much and also i have major phone anxiety this is why this is so much nicer meeting in a bar yeah <laughs> because the thought of phoning people i don't even order pizza so the thought of phoning strangers to yeah. ask them stuff i just that seemed like a nightmare and so he just went ahead and I woke up on Mother's Day and opened my Mother's Day gift, and it was a mic. <laughs> and I said, okay, so I guess I'm starting a podcast. And it's he like said, getting yeah. somebody a vacuum. Exactly. Like, Here you go. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so, yeah, like we were talking about before we started, the learning curve was steep. Yeah. Um, but pretty quick, you know, and, and Greg pointed out that he said, you know, when you do this, you're going to make a whole bunch of art friends. Yeah. And he knows that I like making art friends. So it was worth the scary phone calls. Yeah. And now it's creeping up on three years in, and I think I'm at 140 episodes. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so I'm taking the summer. I take the summers off, and uh, so I'm just starting to record now for season three, which will start in September. Ah, very cool. So you're interviewing artists all over the world on the phone. So how many episodes are in a season for you? Well, that's the funny thing. So the first season just went on and on. Like I just never stopped. I just kept going for like almost two years. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I need a break. But I didn't want to quit. So I was like, season one (laughs) is complete. (laughs) I'm going to pause and write this down. Things I should know right now. (laughs) And then I took that summer off. And then I, I was thinking, oh, you know, should I shake it up and do something different for season two? 
Oh, actually, the beginning of that summer, I, I thought, well, I won't do interviews because that's what was taking so much time was finding people that would agree to do it and scheduling the, you, well, you know, yeah. scheduling the people. So I started doing this summer camp. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, so it was just me. And so I was, you know, I'd give a creative challenge and I'd do a little bit of art history, did you know? And that was way more effort than interviewing people. Yeah, I would think so. Because <laughs> you've got to actually formulate the whole thing. Yeah. Deliver it. Yeah. And I wrote it and I researched and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, so I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? So I actually stopped. So I did five of those and I was like, you know what? Season everything is done. I need the summer off. <laughs> I have a little boy, so, you know, he wants to go to the beach and jump off docks. And, you know, we're at the cusp. He's turning 12 in a few days. And we're at the cusp of him not wanting to be at the beach with me. So yeah. I'm taking my opportunity. So now when I started season two, I did season two from, like, the school year, September till June. Took the summer, taking the summer off now. Yeah. And then I'll start again in September and just keep going. And I don't really think, I don't want to shake it up, I don't think, because I'm having so much fun, you know, hearing, well, you know, you're yeah. doing the, t like, hearing these stories. I just, it's so inspiring. And I get off of every single call and go, ooh, that was the best one yet. Yeah, you yeah, know? I do that too. <laughs> yeah. My husband and my son are always like, uh, so how was it? And before I can say best one ever, they both go best one ever because they know <laughs> what I'm going to say. But it is, you know, you get off these calls and you know the people, you know, you feel like these artists that you've worshipped from afar and you've liked on Instagram a zillion times and then to actually hear their story and to hear what they were like when they were five and hear, you know, their struggle or their victories or, you know, it's so addictive. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. It's pretty wild and it's an honor to be it is. in that space. To be for invited sure. in to hear yeah. those stories. Yeah, I know. And so it's, it is addictive. Yeah. And you focus on the art and the artist and you are, what, what's sort of the criteria for you when you're looking at who to invite on the show? What are you looking it's just for? People that I love. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, the first 20 episodes or so were people that I knew. Mm -hmm. Again, phone phobia. So it was people that I, I knew. So I wasn't terrified to call them, but I also knew what kind of storytellers they were. I knew if they were funny or if they were shy and how much I would have to bring them out or not. And then when I got through those people, then it got really scary because they were actual cold calls. Right. And they're just artists who I really love their work, but you don't know who's going to pick up the phone. Like, mm -hmm. are they prima donnas? Are they so shy that they won't talk? Are so that part was really scary, you know. But yeah, it's usually just people who I think are fantastic. Yeah. And hope that they'll talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you never... I was on the other side of the mic this last week doing a, doing a phone interview for a podcast for The Offbeat Life and oh. a super cool show. But, but all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay, this, uh, it is a little bit, you feel like you're in the hot seat over the phone, like you're talking blind into space and you're thinking, what did I just say? What am I, what am I going to say? Like there's a different dialogue going in your, yeah. and there's less alcohol, I think, when you do yes. it that way. <laughs> I have told people that are nervous, just, I can't see you because I don't do video. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I always just say, bring booze. Yeah. Do what you need to do. And it's so funny because some people do. And by the yeah. end, like, the stories are a little people. looser. Yeah, the stories are a little looser by the end. And then they email, what did I say? There's always podcast regret, you know. Can yep. you edit out the part where yep. I said blah, blah. So I try not to edit because it is more, you know, it's just funnier when people just say what they're actually thinking. But they yeah. do sometimes panic that they have Over, said too much. Overshared. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the beauty of a Malibu or something. Yeah. That's, that's my go-to. I always, yeah. uh, that was my high school drink. Uh -huh. So if, if somebody's nervous and they need to bring, you know, whatever they bring, I bring myself a little Malibu and peach juice and join them. There you go. Yeah. Super 1987. Yeah. yeah. Super 1987 Okanagan drink. Exactly. Yeah. It has <laughs> to smell like coconut and yeah. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> so you spend a fair amount of time doing these interviews, podcasts, you've got your blog. That's a whole career there. But you also are a busy artist in your own right. Yeah, look, I have paint on my hands. You do. I thought you'd be so proud of me. I am so proud of you. I want to hear the story behind those paint <laughs> dots. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how many, I, I don't want to go too far back into this story, but I, I did go to art school. Um, and I grew up in the Okanagan being an art kid and drinking Malibu, I guess. So when I went to art school and didn't fit in, <laughs> was a real, really hard. Right before I graduated, I was told by a terrible professor that I should, quote, never paint again. And I listened, 
And so I didn't make art for a very, very, very long time. Um, I became a graphic designer and just sort of you know, lied to myself that I was being creative every day at work so I didn't need to do my own artwork and if I ever did do anything I did it in my basement and I didn't show anyone and you know for for fear of somebody going why are you painting you should never be painting again and so um, that was a huge reason for starting the Jealous Curator was that I was just really lost myself and you know I never thought Jealous Curator would have readers it wasn't for that it was just a way for me to put something out in the world and try and figure out my own voice and figure out what the heck I was doing. Yeah, it's been this like evolution of me basically using the gel curator as therapy. Right. And so I started making collages with no paint. I don't know, maybe eight years ago. Yeah, when my son was maybe two or three. It's just recently, in the last three years, that because of doing the podcast and talking to so many people I admire and just point blank asking them my questions Mm -hmm. (laughs) to basically help me and hearing their amazing, insightful answers that I was like, what am I doing? Why am I not making art? It's who I am. It's who I've been since I was a baby basically and I'm just not doing it right out of because of fear like that's ridiculous and I'm running around the world telling other people to get unblocked and don't listen to your inner critic and I'm a slave to it like it just it's crazy so yeah I finally started working again and I incorporate a little bit of paint into the collages because I didn't want to be afraid of it anymore and now I'm covered in paint yeah <laughs> so you know it's great and um Again, I just sort of took my own advice and, you know, I I urged people to share their work and I was like, I am not sharing my work. So I started sharing it slowly and and just kind of owning it and being proud. And I think that's also partly, you know, hitting your mid 40s where you start to know yourself and you start to care a little less about what people think. Yeah. So I think it's just sort of been the perfect storm that I'm finally now just making work that I'm happy with. And if people want to buy it, great. But at the end of the day, I'm really happy. So... Thank goodness. You yeah. Know. And your work is beautiful. Thank like, you. really beautiful. There's just that dance between the imagery and the paint. It's, uh, it's gorgeous, and it's finding its audience. Here. It is, yeah. yeah. You know, and I think, I kind of think it's because you can probably feel the joy in it. Like, I'm finally having fun again for the first time since I was, you know, the art kid in high school. Mm-hmm. And I think people can feel it. I, I yeah. hope they can. That's what I would hope. Yeah. But I, I, for years, I've had this thing where I'll make something, because Jealous Curator's been around for 10 years. So I'll make something and think, would the Jealous Curator write about this? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and if the Jealous Curator would not write about it, uh-huh. I know it's not there or it's not quite right. And the work that I'm doing now, I'm like, hell yes, the Jealous Curator would r- yeah. write about this. So it just feels... That's really a weird split personality right. situation going on there. But it really, that's how I gauge it. And I, I feel really good now. Yeah. And, you know, it's a circuitous route. But it's an amazing, I don't know if you feel, you know, is there a, a time lost element based on that experience at art school? Or is it just a completely different path? Like, how do you feel about that? I think for a long time, I felt like it was time lost. Mm -hmm. And I was kicking myself one, you know, so he said, you should never paint again. And I said, Oh, okay. Um, Through tears and uh, anger. And, and then when I was writing my first book, which is called creative block, it's 50 interviews with artists from around the world. And I wanted to you know continue my therapy and I wanted to know how do they get through blocks and deal with self-doubt and one of the quotes that came back was from an artist from um, Toronto named Amanda Happe and I'd asked her about how she deals with criticism and I love this quote so much she said "Um, the thing is you just don't have to care no one can wrestle the pencil out of your hand you get to keep going in absolute defiance right and I was reading that on my couch I was getting the interviews back for the book and I was sitting on my couch reading that email and I burst into tears yeah because it was now maybe 18 years since I'd graduated and I was like I blamed him but I am the one that put my paintbrush down you know and it was my responsibility to pick it up yeah and I didn't and so whenever I speak to students or anybody really but especially high school students and university students you know you're gonna have bad critiques uh, you're going to get rejected by galleries. Like Those things are going to happen. But it's your choice to put the pencil down or to pick it up and keep going. You yeah. know, I urge people to pick it up and keep going. I mean, that said, now, looking, you know, hindsight being 2020, I don't feel like it was time lost because if he hadn't said that, 
I wouldn't have gone through everything I'd gone through. I wouldn't have had the need to start Jealous Curator. I wouldn't have, you know, had the opportunity to write books and to travel around the world talking to like-minded people and, you know, finding my tribe. I wouldn't have had all of that. Right. I would have had a different life, and it, uh, yeah, I'm sure it would have been fine too, but I don't begrudge any of it anymore. Yeah. And again, that might be turning... 45 and <laughs> yeah <laughs> just being okay with the world but. yeah yeah it's it's interesting these curvy paths we all that's we, the thing, all, we all have curvy paths yeah and I think that's the other nice thing about doing 140 episodes of my podcast is these people I admire who I assume just were the were like the art star at school and just sailed on through and got repped by galleries and sold for millions and all this stuff have these crazy paths too with like welfare and poverty and parents who didn't support them and like crazy stuff and they ended up doing amazing things so I thought well I can't use my crazy path as an excuse yeah one of the things I love about you know you talked about finding your tribe one of the things I love about having that art tribe is you start to see it's not just at the beginning of a career that those things happen you know do I don't I but you're surrounded by all of these amazing artists and we still cycle through that. And I think as a, as a tribe, you know, it's sort of our, all of our responsibility to keep pushing each other back onto the, onto the tracks and, yeah, and keep totally. going. Yeah, like I see some of the most people in my mind who I think are the most successful. And then when you really get to know them, you realize, oh, we all, we all go through that dance, and, yeah. and everybody needs and that. And you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of an honor. Like, and I figured that out too um, with Creative Block. Was that it? Just kind of made me realize that it was a club mm-hmm. that we're all in. Yeah. That I, I always felt really alone, and I thought I was the only one feeling like this. I thought I was the only one who ran out of ideas. Uh, you know, I thought I was the only one whose head didn't cooperate with my hand when I was in the studio <laughs> some days. And when you find out that your heroes have those exact same Tuesdays, yeah. You're like, that is a cool club and I am in it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that was like this huge permission to myself to like have days where ideas didn't come, but know that if I keep pushing, the idea will show up eventually. Yeah. Because it works for so and so and so and so and so and so. So that was a huge lesson as well. Like I've had the craziest 10 years of aha moments, you know, that usually end in tears or laughing tears or yeah. <laughs> some sort of emotional release yeah <laughs> been there yeah yeah okay. you mentioned your creative block book what's the actual title creative block creative block there yep. you go and then you had the book about your inner critic is a big jerk yeah, is that the next one well the next one was actually called collage mm-hmm. um i was writing creative block and um chronicle that's who I was doing the book with called and said another editor from there called knowing that I really loved collage personally yeah. and said, you know, collage is starting to get some traction and starting to be a really hot medium. Would you write a book about it? And I was like, uh, cause I was in the middle of doing creative block. So I had 50 artists in creative block, 30 artists in collage. Uh-huh. And I am not an Excel spreadsheet kind of gal, but man, I had a lot of yeah. spreadsheets going. It was like herding cats. Like who do you have the bio from? Who do you need artwork for? Like, permissions it was crazy but I loved that book too and then once those were both released I started Creative Block did so well um Oprah's people called well I know not Oprah herself (laughs) but I ended up being featured in the magazine and I went down to LA and shot a bunch of videos for um Oprah.com and it was crazy and then I went and spoke at Pixar and so my editor at Chronicle called and said okay you got to do something like you got to do another one on you know like while this is hot and I was like okay and I you know I just thought I would do creative block too and I thought maybe I would interview this time not just visual artists but also writers and musicians and you know whatever and she called me which she never did so Mm -hmm. it was scary Mm -hmm. because usually she emailed and she called and said no no more Q&A's you need to write this book 10 chapters your voice the lessons you've learned and I freaked out um it was very meta because the book is called your inner critic is a big jerk yeah. and my inner critic was like you can't write a book you know <laughs> so it was Thanks for the inspiration yeah yeah exactly so it was really funny actually I, I, I used to write in a little restaurant in my town and so I went down there with my laptop and I opened it up and I was pretty excited you know at this stage I wasn't scared yet and then I opened Microsoft Word and it was just a big white 
rectangle <laughs> and the cursor was just like you blinking like who do you think you are and I full-on started crying in the restaurant and having a panic attack you know when your heart's beating in your throat kind of yeah I couldn't catch my breath and I thought okay well (laughs) I hadn't signed a con no I'd signed the contract but I hadn't been paid yet so I was like okay I will just call and I will say I can't do it and they could just rip up the contract and don't you know like I spent the first 20 minutes brainstorming how to get out of writing this book right and then I thought you know what I'm just going to write this. So I wrote my panic attack. Yeah. And it's the basically the beginning of the intro. Yeah. And I sent it to my editor. I'm like, so here's where we are. <laughs> and she was like, I love it. Keep going. And I was like, okay. Wow. And so I did it. And, and I'm really proud of that book. And I, I partnered with um, Martha Rich, who did the illustrations, mm-hmm. which my husband kept saying, can you believe it? Because when I started Jaws Curator, she was one of my first posts. I She's from Philadelphia. I didn't know her. I just worshipped her and since then we've become really good friends and then I was able to hire her to do the illustration and cover of my book and we'd have a standing Thursday meeting to you know to get it all done and Greg's how cool is this like if somebody had told you a few years ago that you'd be doing like a weekly Skype with your friend Martha yeah for your third book it's just like like that is amazing yeah it's crazy you have to stop and pinch yourself you know I talk to people a lot about that about success and where you know, people, oh, you know, I haven't made it. I, I want to make it. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Because we have this moving bar of success, right? And it's like, you have to decide what that thing is and then go and achieve it and then celebrate it and then set the next one. And what I was doing was I was, you know, I had three books in. Oprah's people had called. So here I am doing Big Jerk. Well, Oprah's people didn't call for Big Jerk. So then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it's just like, oh my God, Danielle. Yeah, it's just like, what are you doing? It's like, it's never enough. You know, it's like, it's got to be more. I'm not successful because X, Y, Z hasn't happened. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like just stop for a second. Realize that this is your life and it's fantastic and celebrate it instead of it never being quite enough. Yeah. You know? So anyway, so yeah, Big Jerk came out and it was, it was like another giant learning, you know, like a huge lesson for me about myself mm-hmm. but the real fun with all the books is touring with them because it's the people you talk to after I finish yapping and people get in a little line to get their books signed and then the most amazing conversations happen and you know you realize you're surrounded by these me too stories and other people who had crazy art school experiences or whatever it is and it's just the most and people have insightful things to say and beautiful stories to share and that is my absolute favorite part can you share a favorite of those stories that stands out oh my gosh there's so many okay well i always tell this one this pixar one this blew me away. Have I told you this story? Uh-uh. So I was speaking at Pixar for the first, I've spoken there twice now, and I'm going back for the new book, which is really exciting. But I was terrified. I wore black because I sweat like crazy when I'm nervous. So I was like, and as I walked into Pixar, it's this amazing, crazy, huge, like movie lot, right? I get in there, I thought, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm going to talk to Pixar about how to be creative. Like, what? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, these people have Oscars in their offices, and yeah. I'm like, hey, guys, listen to me. Get your notepads out. Yeah. So I was just, like, sweating, like, why am I here? And then I get in there, and it's this beautiful theater with, like, love seats, like, instead of theater seats. Like, and it was mainly dudes. Yeah. And they were all just sort of sitting, slumped in their, you know, and I thought, oh, this is going to be a disaster. But I went ahead, I did my thing. And then there was a little table out front with my books for sale. This is the creative block time. And I went out there and they all lined up to buy a book. And so the first two guys came up and we were chatting about, you know, what they did at Pixar. And um, they both worked on Up. And I said, oh, that's my son's favorite movie. And um, I said, so, you know, what, what did you do on the film? So the first guy, oh, you know, and not braggy, but just in full volume, like very confidently, like talked about his role in it. And, and the other guy jumped in and very confidently said what he did on it. And I was like, oh, that's great. Now, being a creative person myself, having like a creative day job as a designer, I knew you always have some little thing on the side, right? So I said to the first guy, so what do you do on the side? And he said, oh, like I... I draw and stuff, but I haven't really. And I was like, "Pardon?" <laughs> and he's well, like, "Well, I, I draw, but I've, I've totally lost my mojo." And and like he was so insecure. Yeah. So then I said to the other guy, "Well, what about you?" And he's like, "Well, like, like I take photography, like I take photographs, but like I didn't go, to, I didn't go to school for it or anything." Like, yeah. Try and I thought, "Oh up. man!" And so 
after they left, I talked to 40 more of them and I asked everybody, what do you do here? Confident, loud, what do you do on the side? They all had something and they all said it with such apologetic quietness. Yeah. And I thought, wow. So I always tell students, especially high school students, that story because you assume these people have it made. Yeah. They worked on Toy Story and Up and all these things, but like they have insecurities around creativity too. Yeah. And so that was a huge, huge one for me. Just, I don't know, I have, there's lots of sad stories. I had this lady that was in her 60s and she'd had a first grade teacher when she was six years old tell her that her drawings were terrible. And she's like, I've never drawn since. And it's been decades. Yeah. You know? One, one woman, she was in the fourth grade, and they were told to draw a bear. So she drew it from the back, walking away. So it was basically a bear bum. And you could see his little ears poking over the top. Like she said, I thought it was pretty good, like, you know, for fourth grade and to, like, perspective and everything. And the teacher told her it was wrong because it was, she wanted them to do a bear from the side, like a silhouette. And she threw her drawing out. The woman threw her drawing out and made her do it again. Wow. And so she's like, I just never did art again. Yeah. And this woman was probably in her 50s, you know, and it's just like, so there's a lot of those stories mm -hmm. and it just fills me with rage. And I actually have a kid's book idea that I really, really, really want to do because I want to talk to those kids before somebody like that gets to them. Yeah. Give them a shield for yes, it. Yes. Yeah. Just to be prepared that that might happen and to not put your pencil down. What you know? a great idea that yeah. is. A hundred books should be written about that. Right? Like just clobber them with that. Yes. Uh, yeah. With that idea. Because whenever I talk to students, I'll say, you know, do you guys know what I mean when I say inner critic? And boy, do they. Yeah. Like it is shocking how much kids, you know, oh, there's just so much pressure on them. Yeah. And I think there always has been, but it feels like now even more, everything has to be perfect. Oh, it's just heartbreaking. So those are the stories I hear the most, which is interesting because each book tour and those stories always lead to the next book. Yeah. Like Big Jerk is basically, it's called um, Your Inner Critic is a Big Jerk and Other Truths About Being Creative. And so the, there's 10 chapters and each one is a truth about what it means to be a creative person. And those were all things that I just kept hearing over and over and over, no matter where I was in the world, no matter how old the audience was, no matter the gender, no matter, like it was just the exact same stories over and over. Yeah. And I collected them all up and put that book together, you know? And then, so it, they just sort of lead, I just look for patterns and things that are playing over and over in my head and things I'm hearing over and over from people. So that's a big one is people being told not to make when they're little. And I, I want to address it somehow, but I've got to figure out how. Right. Children's books are really hard yeah. to get into. Yeah. <laughs> my agent is like, please don't do a children's book. You have an audience. She just thinks I'm crazy, but I'm going to yeah. do it. Yeah. Kate, Kate, if you're listening, it's happening. <laughs> Whether Case you like it or point, not. Tell me no, and I will go yes. Exactly. <laughs> right so that was the last book. Mm -hmm. Right, and now this book that you have just—it is just coming out right now. Yeah, love the title. Give us the title. I was with you in the cafe when you got the cover. Yes, you yeah. were. Yeah. Oh. So tell us the title, and then tell us. Okay. The... Well, the title, and I cannot believe they let me do this, but the title is a big important art book now with women. Love it, <laughs> <laughs> because um, I have a lot of big important art books, and there's very rarely any women in them. Yeah. You know, there's the odd, you know, Frida's in there, Georgia O'Keeffe's in there, and yeah. that's about it. Yeah, Mary Cassatt. Mary, lucky. yeah, Mary's in there, yeah, <laughs> and that's really it. And so it came about again by doing these book tours and my podcast as well. I have a ton of female guests on there without meaning to. I love hearing about you know male artist stories too. But I just realized I was gravitating to the female stories. And I think it's a combination of me being a woman and wanting to find my tribe and like-minded people who are also mothers possibly or who have gone, you know, who have to push a little harder to get the big shows and stuff like that. So yeah, it was partly that. And then it was also still that niggly thing left over from when I was an art history student. I, I had a BFA in studio practice, but I minored in art history. and. They didn't teach us about any women. And here I was studying to be an artist when I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but who should I be like looking up to, emulating their path, 
oh, nobody? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It was, you know, and I, I put up my little hand and asked, and I had this amazing professor, and he, he said, well, of course women were making work, but they weren't considered important enough to document which, of course, filled me with rage. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, it's now been 20-something years since I graduated, and they're still using the same textbook. Yeah. You know, and you can take classes about women in art, but, I mean, the problem is, is he was right, they weren't documented. So they can only teach what they have, right? And if things weren't documented or they were attributed to the woman's husband or mm-hmm. whatever, there's not a lot to teach. Yeah. And so part of the reason for the podcast and then the, the whole reason for this book was that you know, these people are alive now. Yeah. And I can ask them whatever I want. And I can document the hell out of them. Yeah. And get all of the stories and not wait for the art history books to accidentally forget to document them. You know, so um, when I pitched this, I don't know if I told you guys this. Carol and I were in the same Thrive group. So we've shared. (laughs) There's been tears and sharing. And yeah. But I don't know if I told you this. I couldn't sell it. No. I had three books that had just like no And getting problemo. called up to get, we'd like this book yeah. from you. Yeah, wow. can you write another one? That is shocking to me. Shocking because yeah. you just think that is such a perfect book that yeah. would have a huge market. I would think of all of them. Like yeah. They all have great titles and great ideas, but I would have thought that would be the first one to the... Nope. Um, I had five of six publishers say they didn't feel that people would read a book about women artists. Wow. Yes. So for you people listening that are not Canadian, uh, do you know what a Nanaimo bar is, people? I went to the bakery here, got a whole bunch of Nanaimo bars, and rage ate them alone in my car. (laughs) If you ever need to go on a rage eating binge again, and you want somebody there for support, and there are Nanaimo bars, you just call me. Carol, you just give and give and give. I know. That's my nature. (laughs) No, I was so... I couldn't believe it. I was so mad. And I thought, here we are, 20-something years later, and it's still this... Actually, it was exactly 20 years, I think. 22 years since I'd graduated. I'm like, how are we having this conversation? Yeah. Um, But then Running Press, who's out of New York and Philadelphia, um, loved it, and they said absolutely let's do it and then so in my head I wanted to call it a big important art book because I just thought it was hilarious that mm-hmm. you know there are no big important art books with women and it was my working title and uh and then they were like so what are you thinking for titles and I was like well <laughs> and they were like we love it let's do it oh, I couldn't right believe on. it and so they have been amazing and then the cover um so I was talking to their designer and being a graphic designer myself I can be a little What's the word? Controlling. Yeah. (laughs) And so I had a meeting with their designer and um, she said, uh, you know, we talked about font and, you know, what I was thinking. I sent them some mood boards and she said, we would really like your art on the cover. What? (laughs) And so my art, one of my paintings is on the cover and um, the book's going to be in, you know, the MoMA gift shop, Tate gift shop, and then, you know, all the big bookstores, but like gallery bookstores. So technically, <laughs> technically, I can say that my work is at MoMA and Tate and all of these places. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've seen the covers of all of your books. They're all great. But that cover is stunning. Like, it is stunning. That just worked so perfectly. And I know. And everything. You must be so proud. I'm like, so great, proud. Yeah. You know, and you really have to put your trust in the designers, too. And mm-hmm. um, her name's Ashley Todd that, that did this book. She's just the first draft well I was with you when the first draft came through and I've never worked with this publisher before I'd never worked with her before so and again being a control freak you know the pdf comes through of the first sample chapters and I'm bracing myself to ready to give all kinds yes I get my little red pen (laughs) out to like make my changes and I I don't think I changed anything I loved it she just hit it out of the park and um actually it should you know it's going to be on shelves October 2nd and um, I should have it in my own hot little hands any day now. And so, yeah, it's exciting. I pre-ordered a couple, so <gasps> <Did you? Thank laughs> I'm excited you. too. Now, by the time this airs, it will be available. So where okay. where can people get it? Um, it's going to be at, in Canada, it'll be at Chapters and in the States, Barnes & Noble. All the big retailers should have it. And then lots of little indie bookshops will pick it up too, yeah. which is lovely. And um, and gallery, like um, Vancouver Art Gallery, their shop will have it. So And if, it, if a little independent shop doesn't have it, you can ask them to 
bring it in. And then you can buy it online too, through yeah. Amazon or through whatever you like. And if you're at the Tate or the MoMA. Yeah, that's right. If you're hanging out your, at MoMA. Pick yourself up. <laughs> yeah. Have I told you the story about seeing Creative Block at MoMA? No. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'd never been to New York in my life. It was the, I was there for my 40th birthday and uh, I, I just happened to be strolling past MoMA and I thought, well, let's just see if it's in the bookshop. I didn't know if it was or not. So I went in there, I looked all around, and it was nowhere to be seen. So I went up to the guy at the till, and I said, I don't suppose you have a book called Creative Block. And he was like, oh. Um, and he looked in the computer, he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, oh, but it's sold out. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> Could you say that into the yeah, microphone? That's right. <laughs> and he's like, at MoMA, there's another little shop in the gallery, like once you've paid your ticket. And he said, oh, there actually might be a couple up there. Let me just quickly call. So we called up, oh yeah, there's three up there, and he said, uh, can you just hold one for this for this woman? And I said, oh, I, I don't want to buy it. And he was like, what? And I said, I just want to take a picture of it. And he was like, what? Like, why? And I said, well, I wrote it. And he was like, oh my God. And he hung up the phone, ran upstairs, oh. and he was gone for about 10 minutes. And I thought, if he comes down with another book called Creative Block that's not mine, <laughs> I am so just going to pretend that that is my book. And, Michael like, take Jackson my picture. out of the room. No, I'm, like, I'm just going to fake it and be like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> but uh, thank God he came down with my book. Yeah. And he took me out in front, and we took a picture with the MoMA sign. And, oh. yeah, it was really, really cool. And then the next day I went back and actually bought a ticket and went to the gallery and I went in and there was the three books and I took a picture of them and uh, and I did my gallery thing I came back maybe four hours later and there was only one so I said to the guy oh there used to be three did you did you move them and he goes oh no they sold and he said if you want one he said I suggest you buy that one because he said oh we can't keep this book in stock Oh, beautiful. So I high-fived myself, and then I moonwalked out because yeah. it felt pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a crazy, like, see, that's what I mean, like, crazy, crazy ride. Yeah. So that's where you get to with these. Like, everything you have started, holy smoke, like, you look at the Jealous Curator blog, the podcast, your books, like, it all ends up someplace amazing, and that's your voice. Like, you just have this voice you bring into the whole conversation that is so needed and thank you funny and beautiful and well yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, see, I, I can't remember what stories I've told you and what I haven't but when I first started the blog so Greg encouraged me to do it because I was sad and jealous and angry and he said why don't you start a blog and so or therapy but yeah the or therapy cheaper. yeah that's right <laughs> we could monetize the blog which I haven't done by the way but anyway um what is the point of this story Oh yeah, so I wrote the first post, but <laughs> I had this like emotional flashback to being like an art history student, right? So I wrote the first post and it was like, society's view of the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I read it to Greg and I'm like, what do you think? And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I was like, what? Because I was trying to be all arty and, you yeah. know, fancy. And he just said, no, he said, you know, the only difference between you and every other art blog out there is you. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, your taste needs to come through. Your voice needs to come through. And so after that, you know, if I saw a piece of art that I thought, whoo, sweet Jiminy, I would write, whoo, sweet Jiminy. Yeah. And I've just, it's really nice when you do a blog because you're alone. There's no instant feedback. Yeah. Um, for a long time, there were no readers, so yeah. it didn't matter what I wrote. And mm -hmm. so you could just really take the time to develop a voice and be confident with how you were writing and what you were saying and... Um, I've just always tried to be very much me. And the nice feedback on that, like I just did this big conference in um, New Orleans and I had so many people who listened to the podcast and, you know, they're like, it's so weird to see you and hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but they said, um, so many people said, oh, you're exactly like what I thought you'd be, which made me so happy, you know? Like I, I want, you know, I, I try and just put myself out there and I be as genuine as you know, I just try and be myself. So it's nice that that's what people hear. Yeah. 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 Very cool. So when you are starting these and you don't have an audience, do you, do you find the writing is different uh, either on the, on the podcast or on the blog or in the books? Is the writing different when it's sort of all quiet and nobody's watching and you're doing your own thing as compared to... I have a publisher, I'm pitching an idea, and... Um, no, well, that's another funny story. When I, the, so when I did the first round on Creative Block, 
I did the same thing. Like, society, blah, blah, blah. Because I'm like, I'm an author now. Yeah. Like, I better bring yeah. up my old A-game, you Get know? Get that author talk Yeah, going. that's right. I got a fuzzy sweater with, a, like, a cowl neck. Because I'm like, I'm sure they wear these, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the elbows. That's right. And a little fancy notebook, because I'm sure yeah. authors have those, too. Mm-hmm. And so I sent... I mean, I think I had three months to write the first chunk. So I, I was writing and being an art writer, and I sent this in. And again, Kate phoned <laughs> instead of emailing. <laughs> and she said, so um, we hired the jealous curator. I'm not sure who wrote this. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I didn't even edit it. I just threw it away. Yeah. And I started again. And I just have to pretend that nobody is listening mm-hmm. and I can't get in my head and think oh does this sound cool does this sound this this it's just like no I just have to write what I think in a way that I would say it out loud you know and if it ever is getting kind of stuck I will actually read it out loud to myself and it's like oh my god I would never say whom yeah you know or whatever <laughs> so then I can edit it and I just try yeah. and make it sound very much like I'm talking um and now I'm getting a lot better at it now. Like writing um, the big important art book, I, oh, it was a dream. I, I set up this little, I call it my book nook. There's this weird alcove in my bedroom that's only three feet across, and I jammed this little tiny desk that I found at a thrift shop for ten bucks right in there. And it's like having blinders, you know. It's, just, it's so quiet, and yeah. nobody, you can't hear anything. And I could just write, and I wrote 45 contemporary bios and then 30 historical um did you know it was about 30 women and then a project for each chapter i got lost in all of their stories i mean oh i I was writing eight to ten hours a day and i i would just be like so wrapped up in these women's stories and you know i laughed and i cried and you know all these things just by myself because i did a q and a's with all of them to get the info but then i took those q and a's and sculpted them into their life story and I you know from the time they were born until what they're doing now and when I got to the end I was actually ahead of schedule and you know when you're reading a really really good book and you're like maybe I'll just read half a page (laughs) and you put it down because you don't want it to be over yet but you kind of want to binge but you're like no no and that's how I felt I was like instead of right you know finishing it I'm like I'll just write half a chapter today because I didn't want it to be over and um I sent it all in and I actually like was quite sad it was like this weird depression for a couple of weeks where I just sort of was like because when you write a book you take the all of my deals have been about a year that you get to write but then the publisher has a year to design it and print it so you sit around for a year yeah waiting for your book to come out with nothing to do yeah and you you know it's it's like I just wanted to keep going. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so that's all finished now. Yes, and all finished. books hitting the stands. Yeah. And you're going on this book tour. Yes. And you said previously that's usually when the next idea comes. Have you, has that started to float in? Yes, the, the next idea is here. Ah, yeah. But, um, yeah, you're not allowed, these are all the things I've learned about the publishing world. You're not allowed to pitch your next book until... The book you're working on hits shelves. Ah, uh, makes sense. They want you to focus on that, yeah. and you know, yeah. and they want to see if it sells, and yeah. um, and then you're allowed to. So, my agent, who, who's Kate, actually from Chronicle, she left Chronicle, my editor, and started her own agency. So <laughs> now she's my agent. So she wants me to have it ready so that you know the book comes out October second and October third. I could be like, ta-da! <laughs> um, so I probably shouldn't say what it's about, but. Um, it's kind of in the same vein as the big important art book, sort of the same structure, because I enjoyed writing so much yeah. um, and featuring so many, you know, that's my jam is like exposing the stories of, of working artists. I just think that's so interesting. And so, yeah, it's going to be in the same vein, but slightly different. Oh, yay. Well, I will stay tuned. And hopefully the kid's book, if I can get past Kate. Yeah. <laughs> I'll create a diversion. Yeah. Oh, I've already, I've got the whole storyline. I've got the characters illustrated. Like, yeah. I'm good to go. Yeah. It's just you, Kate. <laughs> Kate, are you listening? Yeah, Kate. Let me do it now. I got to do it. <laughs> so lots of book stuff going on, lots of this other stuff going on. But you also have a very cool art project coming up that, uh, <laughs> tell us about it. Yeah. So, oh, have you had Penny Lane on here yet? No, but I just confirmed that she's going to be on yesterday. Okay. So she'll be coming up soon. There you go. Yeah. So Penny Lane, Shen, she is a force to be reckoned with. And 
Um, anyway, she has roped me into being a, an artist in the Vancouver Mural Festival. And it's something I've been yapping about it on the podcast for <laughs> ages. Like whenever anybody says, oh, you know, what would your dream project be? I would say, well, you know, I'd love to see what my collages would be like large scale and like on a, as a mural. Yeah. And then Penny Lane was like, okay. <laughs> like, okay, smarty pants. Yeah, that's right. So I have five walls. Five walls? Yeah, what? but don't worry. They're, they're little. Yeah. So it's kind of like um, my, I mean, they're bigger than an 1114 piece of paper. Yeah. Um, but they're, so there's five of them all around Vancouver. Yeah. And they're like these, I think she's referring to them as pop-up murals. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, so the, yeah, there's five of them. The biggest wall is... 20 feet across, 14 feet high. That's a big wall. Yeah, but I'm doing it like my collages, so there is going to be a hell of a lot of negative space yeah. to yeah. save me. <laughs> and then I was like, I, I get the big packet from everybody. Have you ever done that show? Uh, the, no. Uh, so I get the big packet, and it's like... Um, I've read their packet, because we're doing a mural at the same time in oh, West Bend. Okay. And uh, yeah. Like lift and hydraulic training? Yeah. yeah. We do you did, have to do that? Well, with our collective, when we went to Sicily... We were supposed to do that. I was conveniently out of town, so most of the pack went and did it. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was terrified. I just wrote her, and I'm like, lift training? And she's like, no, all of your walls are small enough that you can do it yeah. with a ladder. And, yeah. Um, so I've, I've done a whole bunch of pieces in my collage world with dots. Have you ever seen my yeah, dotty yeah. ones? Yeah. But the dots are the gouache tube flipped over, and I just squeeze out a little dot. Well, I can't yeah. do that on a wall. Yeah, gravity will not let you no. do that with paint cans. Yes. And I just think how <laughs> tiny those dots would be, too. Yeah. And so, yeah, if I did, a, yeah, if I did it with a paint can. And so, um, anyway, I've devised a plan. So all of them are going to have a similar look. They will all feature Queen Elizabeth. Oh, fun. They will all be polka dotty because they really wanted them to look similar in a way so that and same palette and everything so that when you see them around the city you realize that it's the same artist that's done them right so instead of being given one giant wall where I would need lift training I've been given five smaller walls so yeah they I had my meeting with them the other day and they referred to me as a moving target (laughs) so they will be showing up and helping me like with ladders I don't know I am I have no idea what I'm doing, but I have fully embraced it. And so now when my husband made, like he made coffee the other morning, he's like, um, did you want some coffee? And I was like, well, as a mural artist, um, I feel that, yes, I need a little <laughs> bit more. So everything is as a mural artist. And um, do I get cute overalls? Like what, what, do I, what do I need here? Like I have no idea. What should I wear? <laughs> Stuff I don't care about getting paint Some on? Things you don't care about getting paint on. Here are my things. So, okay. so I painted that mural in Sicily. It was yeah. my first one. Was it blazing things hot? Things I learned. Uh, it was in some places, but not where I was. I okay. was in this like cavernous oh, yes. hole. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so what <laughs> I learned was take everything. It's like planning a plein air day. Like you okay. take all your food, take all your water, um, make sure you know where the nearest bathroom is. Just like logical things and really good music. If you watch the time-lapse videos of me painting my mural, you can see I'm singing in fast motion the oh, whole time. It's like top of my lungs. I don't care who's there. Um, and uh, yeah, start at the top, work your way down. That okay. sounds obvious, but paint drips will make you crazy. So, oh, I yeah. didn't even think of that. And that's my... Uh, start at the top and work my way down. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And uh, it is just so fun. And standing back and just uh, letting yourself get out of that body position and get back that's what i've heard to to like really to truly take breaks and to move back a lot a couple of well-placed downward dogs will get you through the day yeah yeah i'm so excited for you i can't wait to see you i really am excited i mean i I keep joking that i'm freaking out and i i am i mean when i get there i will be freaking out but i am pumped like i am really excited and this is again one of those things where you're like how is this my life like you know um before i started jealous curator i did the artist way Mm -hmm. i've done it yeah powerful yes and if somebody i mean i did that when my son was two and i was in this like flux and i didn't know what i was you know didn't know where i wanted to go and where i fit and if somebody had told me oh don't worry you're going to be one of the artists in the vancouver mural festival and you know you're going to have four books and you're going to be traveling around the world and i'd be like shut up like you know I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe anything yeah so I take everything with so much uh, what's the like just 
joy and, and gratitude, you know, that I get to do these things. It blows my mind. And then, yeah, as soon as you hook your wagon to Penny Lane, like, look out. God yeah. knows what you'll be doing. Yeah, I cannot wait to sit down and talk with her. That's going to be <laughs> <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> yes. It will. Yay. Well, it's so fun to watch from, like you said, we, so we got to know each other through Thrive Mastermind, which mm. is this amazing thing where artists get together in our case online because we are moving targets yes we are and penny lane's got a big hand in that whole thing and it's just uh, we had jamie and tara who started thrive on the show a while ago and yeah i listened to that it was so yeah, good it was fun they're just so the whole thing is such a celebration yeah. of you know women and creativity and all the things we've got going on and and happening and for me having you in my group it was, it's just really fun to get to know what you're doing, all of these different things, you're doing them so well. Oh, and, thanks. Uh, Doesn't always feel like that from my end, but <laughs> as long as you think that, yeah. that's good. No, but you know what's so funny? I talk about Thrive all the time, and I'm like, I feel like sometimes, you know, I'll bring it up on the podcast or whatever, and I think, God, I, thought, I sound like I'm like selling a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Join Thrive now. Like, you know, it just feels, you know, but, and I always try and back myself out of it and go, but like, don't feel like you have to join, but you should because it's awesome. And it has yeah. been such an amazing experience. And I've just started my new group. Yeah. Have you started a new group? I haven't. I took some time out and I, I was wondering whether I was going to carry on because I'm on the road yes. so much and in weird places like yeah. teaching on Well, you were, I mean, my gosh, when we were, our yeah. meetings, you'd be phoning in from 4 a.m. in yeah. Sicily and on, then you're on a boat and then, yeah. Yeah, it, it is crazy. And then, so I kind of almost thought, well, it's, it's amazing, but, you know, you know, throw some excuses in the way. And then one day I was here in the Okanagan. So we're, we're staying right now while we're here in our ski place up at Apex. Mm -hmm. It is, we call it the shining hotel in the off season because it's <laughs> there's like, nobody, up there's there. nobody there. It's like, we, we judge our days by car counts. It's like seven today. It's a seven oh my day. God. Yeah. And it's all that, work and no play. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> This year it is busier, um, but I was up there and I'd been painting all day and I was just all of a sudden feeling like oh, I am so separated from the whole world. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment I got a little ding in my inbox and it was one of the Thrive ladies saying, hey, you know, what do you think? Are you going to come back in September? I was like, grab that lifeline. I'm back, ladies. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so yeah, good. I'm back in September and totally looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, I have my yeah. new group now, and they're amazing. I mean, it's just the caliber of the women in that group is insane. And I will grow to love them as much as I loved you guys, but like, you were my first time. I know. And it's just like, <laughs> um, Amy's still in my group. A Amy yeah. Henny Brown is still in my group. Um, but it's new people, which is great. You know, yeah. a new... Mix it up. Yeah, then, mix it up. It's yeah. good. But it's just like, okay, can I have this new group? Can I also keep meeting with my yeah. old group? Because I need to know what they're doing, yeah. you know? And yeah. it's just, yeah, it's a hard... You yeah. get to know people so well, and yeah. and um, it is really nice just to these people that show up in your group who you're like, oh my god, I can't believe she's in my group. Yeah, and then to hear them have like a super bad day or to be frustrated by whatever, and you're like, oh my god, I'm frustrated by whatever too. Yeah, and you know to be able to help them, and the next time they help you, it's just the best. It is amazing. See pyramid yeah. scheme. That's yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah, it is. So for <laughs> all of our listeners out there, whether it's Thrive or whatever kind of community, community is so important when you yeah. work independently. And uh, yeah, I'm very glad you landed in mine. So cheers to that, sister. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thanks for coming out and talking with me here. This has been so fun. Yeah, and, it was, uh, I'm so glad we finally made it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yay! <laughs> cheers. You've been listening to Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. For full show notes and all the links, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you liked the episode, remember to subscribe, sign up for updates, and leave us a review. And if you loved the episode, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com and buy us our next round. Cheers. <laughs>